The Stanley Cup playoffs are underway, and we've got you covered. We'll talk about how one game does not make a series. We'll talk about the effects of pressure in the playoffs, and we have our women's hockey spotlight with Erica Ayala. All of that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Gil Martin. You can find me on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And she is Rachel Donner. You can find her on Twitter at RMiriam. We want to thank everybody for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Make sure you subscribe at your podcatcher of choice or on YouTube to get every episode as they drop. Happy Friday, Rachel. Happy Friday. Man, the playoffs have not disappointed so far. No, so far some pretty exciting and little controversy as well. So uh, that's always good. And I, I mean, there, there are so many ways we could sort of look at the playoffs. But I mean, I, I think, you know, when we started talking, you had a very interesting angle. And the first thing you brought up, one game does not make a series. It's absolutely true. And while for many people outside of the Toronto Maple Leafs fandom, uh, game one was an enjoyable experience, I think we all know that that team is too talented to have that define their entire series. And sure enough, in game two, they came back very decisively. Uh, with a 7-2 to two win against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, you know, John Tavares had an incredible game. Morgan Riley had an incredible game. And, you know, I, I think that, A, the Leafs needed that. But, B, we knew they were capable of it all this time. And it was just a matter of settling in, right? Yeah, you, you knew that series was going to be a back-and-forth series. But... It was almost humorous to see Maple Leafs nation panicking after game one. It's like, and it's understandable. It's like, oh no, here we go again. But to their credit, the players and the uh, coaching staff of the Maple Leafs did not panic. And they came back and played a very solid uh, game two and, and evened up the series. And you sort of knew this was going to be a back and forth kind of series. Yeah. And you know that the Lightning just have so much playoff experience they've you know won two cups gone to a third like this is not a team that's gonna give up and so this is going to be a very hard fought series and you know like you said one game does not make a series and we saw that with six of the eight series tied at one right now um you know i think some people were maybe a little concerned about the colorado avalanche in their series after game one, but, uh, you know, they came back three unanswered goals uh, with a comeback win in game two. And uh, I think that, you know, the defending champs have a lot to prove as well, and they showed how they can do it. Yeah, I mean, they're dealing with so many injuries and now knowing that Landis Gog will not be coming back for the playoffs. 
you know, we're not seeing Colorado at their best, but even a wounded Colorado Avalanche are more than capable of contending in a wide open West. And credit to the Seattle Kraken for coming out and and winning game one and and really sort of setting the tone that they are going to be a tough opponent in this first round of the playoffs. Absolutely. And, you know, also out West, I think, you know, some people might've been taken by surprise with Winnipeg taking game one in their series as well. But you look at Vegas and, you know, they're a really tough team. And of course they came back in that next game, Uh, Jack Eichel, of course, getting his first NHL playoff goal, which just sounds so tragic in some ways that it's taken this long for him to get to the playoffs, but he's here and uh, certainly trying to make an impact and, and get Vegas back in, you know, the thick of it in the West. Yeah. And that, that's uh, going to be a good series. Uh, and, you know, to me, I- I'm focusing on the goaltending in that series. I think that's going to be the key for yes. Winnipeg to stay in it and uh, give uh, Vegas a good fight. And, you know, I think you talk about one game, not making a series, LA stealing game one from Edmonton, Edmonton bouncing back in game two. These two teams have a lot of playoff history and, you just get the feeling it's going to be a grudge match. Yeah, it it could be. I'm really fascinated by this one because I think LA is going to have to be really scrappy to, to win. And people are saying some of us on the locked on NHL crew included that, you know, this is the year that Edmonton finally breaks through whatever that wall is that, has been uh, up against, you know, to try and get them far in the playoffs with all of that offensive prowess. Like it has to happen at some point and this year could be that year. Yeah. uh, I mean, that is true, but we've been saying that for a long time now and maybe it is. And we'll, we'll find out how they handle that. And, you know, one other thing that uh, sort of is the flip side of one game does not make a series is talking about a team not being ready for uh, competing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, I guess we have to focus a little bit on the New Jersey Devils in that regard. Yeah, of course, the Rangers are up two to nothing in that series. They won both games by a five to one margin uh, pretty decisively. And it's just very clear that the New Jersey Devils, I think, are a very good hockey team. And they could win one or two games in this series. I'm not saying they're going to get swept. But I I do think that, you know, with that youth and inexperience uh, up against a team like the Rangers with playoff experience, plus bringing in, you know, a guy like Patrick Kane, who is a veteran in these kinds of situations, um, you know, while he isn't exactly the same player he used to be, he knows how to step up in these circumstances. You know, it's okay for the Devils to use this year as a learning experience. And it doesn't mean they're a bad team. It just means they're young and and not ready. Yeah. I mean, most learn Look, you, you you talk about the level of intensity and the speed of a game. And in the playoffs, that goes up another notch. And when you only have a small number of players on your roster who have been there and done that, it's a learning curve. Yeah. And, I, you know, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if New Jersey does get back into this series. But losing the first two games at home against a big rival, it's going to be interesting to see 
if the coaching staff can sort of rein these guys in and say, hey, don't panic, win the next game or just win the next shift and go out there and, and compete. And, you know, if you're the Devils, even if you don't win this series, hopefully by the end of the series, whether it's game five, six, seven, whatever it is, you're playing better hockey and you know what is required in the playoffs as compared to game one. Yeah, and uh, Chris Kreider certainly knows <laughs> what oh, <yeah>. is required. <laughs> he is uh, absolutely dominating in this series so far and making those statements that, you know, these young Devils players are going to learn. Yeah, no question. And, and then, you know, the, one other aspect I wanted to discuss uh, about the playoffs, and that's pressure. And, you know, to me, there are two teams that I think especially have more pressure than anyone else. And one of them is the Boston Bruins with the record setting regular season president's trophy. And then the other one, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs who have the weight of history going against them. It's been, you know, there, there are some younger Maple Leafs fans who don't ever remember their team winning a playoff series. And then you got to go back all the way to the last year of the original six to remember the last time they won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, it is a lot of pressure on both of these teams. And, you know, Florida so far seems to be at least up for the challenge, uh, you know, to try and throw a wrench in the magical season for the Boston Bruins. But, you know, we look at the Nashville Predators, who were President's Trophy winners, and they did not fare well under the weight of all that pressure. And, um, I do believe that this Boston team is different than that. Um, and I, I have more faith in, in this one to you know make a significant impact. But Florida is not going to go away quietly in this series either. No. And, you know, people forget they won the President's Trophy just one year ago. They've got some players who have been through the wars of the playoffs. And uh, there's a lot of talent on that team. So, it, you know, they may be the second wild card. They're they're tough out. Yeah, they they really are. And you know, with the Leafs, um, man, I think they're a team that as long as they win the one series, then they can take it far. It's just that the pressure to get through that one series, and um, you know, like like we were just talking about, they figured out a way to come back from a disastrous first game where absolutely nothing went right for them. And, you know, if this is the kind of resiliency that they have, I think it, as long as Tampa Bay doesn't do their thing to the best of their ability, mm. I, I do think the Leafs, this version of the Toronto Maple Leafs are primed to actually get there. I think they are in a better spot than they have been in the past. Their defense yeah. and goaltending are better than they have been in the past. We'll see if it translates. And and you got to add the fact that Tampa Bay is very banged up right now. They are. Well, we've got a lot more to get to on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Erica Ayala stops by with our bi-weekly women's hockey segment. But first, Rachel, why don't you talk to us about eBay Motors? For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. 
Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome back to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is time now for our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight, and that means Rachel and I welcome in Erica Ayala. And uh, Erica, welcome back to the show. Always great to have you here. Hey, thanks so much. It's great to be here talking women's hockey and also, uh, you know, playoffs for the Kraken. (laughs) Yeah, good timing with that. And uh, let's start with the women's worlds uh, now completed and uh, Team USA getting the job done. That's right. Canada was the host of the Women's World Championship hosted by the IIHF or sanctioned, I should say, by the IIHF was hosted by Canada in Brampton, Ontario, and they were looking for a three-peat. Canada's done pretty well in IIHF tournaments throughout the the women's teams, uh, but it was the USA that was able to get it done um, in somewhat uh, dominating fashion, especially in the gold medal game. I think some people were a little bit surprised because Canada had such a great tournament, but I think there were some some games that we can point to for both teams that ended up in the gold medal game to where maybe, you know, this this was not a surprising result. I especially look at Team USA. Since Beijing, they had a coaching change. Their coach, John Woblowski, I believe is how you pronounce his name. I consider him to be... I feel like sometimes when you use the term calculated, people think more dubious than than what I intend. I think he's just a conscientious, very thoughtful, uh, likes to take his time to learn the system. That's what he told me during the rivalry series. And I think that time listening to his players really paid off. We saw Hillary Knight get her 100th goal and a hat trick yes. to boost, um, which was fantastic. Uh, obviously, that speaks to her career. But I think I might have said this before, Rachel and Gil. I think she's playing some of the best hockey I personally have ever seen her play. So I think that definitely helped the United States. I'm not sure it's anything Canada did wrong per se. Both teams got into really funky situations with their PK. There was a five on three to start the game. There was a five on three to end the game. And then the United States and their youth-ish movement just took over. Yeah, that was part of what was interesting about it is that Team USA got a little bit younger than they had been before. And it seemed like what Canada was doing was expecting to get all those offensive opportunities that they're used to. But Team USA had adjusted their defensive style in a way that prevented that style of play. And Canada didn't didn't know how to react. That, yeah, absolutely correct. I think Brienne Jenner is going to do Brienne Jenner type things. I mentioned one yep. of the five on threes. It was actually the advantage to Canada and Marie-Philippe Poulin, of course, scores in the gold medal game. But I think you hit the nail on the head when it came to the defensive changes that the United States made, because some players that you would expect to be in the mix for Canada maybe took a little time to, to get acclimated. And that would be the Sarah's, right? Sarah Philippe. Right. 
Renee had a, a, a fantastic tournament and as well as Sarah Nurse. What about some of the other teams besides the big two? I mean, the U.S. and Canada are always such a big rivalry, but a lot of other teams in this tournament. Who stood out? Well, I think goaltending. And that's not surprising, but I think we saw some amazing goaltending throughout the tournament. We also saw some new goaltending as far as Erin Frankel in particular for the USA. We've talked about her on the Women's Hockey Spotlight before, but she is the go-to right now. But I love that Emma Soderberg for Sweden and Sweden. She's my fave. (laughs) Yeah. Had a fantastic performance, helped Sweden take Canada to the wire. Um, And and they really had to gut out a win versus Sweden. Switzerland had another great tournament from their goaltending. Japan is a team that has certainly gotten younger and they've gotten better skaters. Uh, They've had a pretty solid or at least um, defenders that can sustain a lot of pressure, including goaltending where Nana Fujimoto has been their goaltender for a long time. They still have that, but you're seeing them skate with more confidence and be able to generate offense. And that has been where they have struggled. So, um, and then you you have to mention team Czechia. Now it's hard to say that they're an up and coming team in some ways because they got their second consecutive bronze medal. That being said, I like the style and the energy that they're bringing to these international tournaments. And as we see Finland and Switzerland in a little bit of a different situation, uh, this tournament, Finland in particular, not even playing and competing for a medal. I think Team Czechia is already um, making a bid for a top three spot in women's international ice hockey. Yeah, I think, at least in my observation from the tournament, um, you saw some of the other countries have really good like round robin games. And they just need to learn how to step it up to that extra level that USA and Canada have been able to do in the medal rounds. And uh, but I, I do think that like a level of competitiveness is much closer than people might think. Absolutely. We still did see some lopsided games. Finland, I think, put up a 14 spot in their first game in the prelims. Yeah. We saw Czechia fall. Uh, I believe it was to the United States. Uh, they, they uh, The U.S. scored nine goals on them. So there's still something to, to be said about that. But to your point, I think all of the teams were in really excellent spirits and they know that the way the game is right now, that means you do have to take your licks on the international stage um, and the coaching. I think this is probably something that's gone a little bit underrated, um, not necessarily for Team Czechia, but I do think for Team USA, moving from Johnson to Roblelski, I think has really helped this team. Uh, I get the sense that they are actually focusing on special teams. Maybe they need to still do a little bit more of that because I mentioned the two five on threes, one four, one, one against. Um, but uh, I, I think coaching is going to be a great equalizer as well as we see that, uh, you know, McLeod, who has played with Hockey Canada, is now coaching Team Czechia. And it was interesting to be at a watch party and hear a former coach talk about a coach narrating the game as it goes and why you might do that even at this level, because you want a team like Czechia to be learning and to be reacting, you know, essentially on the fly. And so I thought that was a really interesting um, and something I'd never heard before, um, but intuitive, intuitively my gut tells me that again, that's how you can 
bridge some gaps is if you're dictating what's happening and having your players play essentially to your voice. And so eventually that will become a part of muscle memory. But again, I think that's one of the reasons why coaching is going to be an equalizer. Should be uh, very interesting going forward, how that plays out. Let's talk a little bit about the pros free agency now here in the PHF. What are you looking at right now? Well, the big news that was made officially official, uh, the first signing of this free agency session is the Olympian uh, and pioneer of what was the National Women's Hockey League, Casey Bellamy, it has signed a one-year contract with the Connecticut Whale. I think she's at 122K plus a 7K signing bonus, if I remember uh, correctly. But um, this is a player that has not been on the ice. She was essentially in an, a front office position with the league, but the league yep. hosted a... Um, an event at the hockey hall of fame during the showcase. And we had a a spotlight right before that we talked to Reagan Carey. And so I was hosting that event and just tongue in cheek. I asked Casey Bellamy if the influx of money into the league maybe had her considering coming out of retirement and she paused (laughs) and she said, I have seriously been thinking about it. That was back in January. And so she was true to her word. And Casey Bellamy, if you don't know, is one of those. She epitomizes, uh, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. She is perfectly fit to hit the ice. I am very curious to see what this Connecticut Whale team is going to look like with her on the blue line. And then as far as other free agency signings, I think the big news that confused some people just because you're not used to hearing it so much in women's hockey, but you hear this a lot in other sports leagues sometimes you'll have a player that such as swin cash in the WNBA, was once taken off the new york liberty roster and people thought she was waived or cut but she did that so that she could renegotiate her salary so that the the team could have more cap space to bring in some talent that at the time that she had signed wasn't available it's a little bit of a different situation but in the same vein of from what i understand madison packer came into last season on a two-year contract she for whatever reason opted to um terminate that contract and just go on to the single contract that happened to benefit her as the salary cap went up and she tested the waters of free agency, maybe to get a better contract and a better deal than what she would have had originally with the Riveters. Maybe she really was thinking of going to another team or at least was interested in what they were going to have to say. We saw Brianna Stewart also in the WNBA do that a couple of years ago, said she knew at least at the time she was going back to Seattle, but now we see she's with New York. So sometimes you have those contract negotiations, even if you're not going to sign with a different team to test the waters and maybe let those teams know what you want in the future so they can make some room. So I think that's another interesting storyline that we haven't seen in women's hockey, but definitely something to keep an eye on. No question. Yeah, about for that. sure. I, I think Pat, uh, you know, Riveters fans are very happy to have Madison Packer back. She's been a mainstay on that team since the beginning. And like you said, team captain, and I certainly can't imagine the Riveters without her. So I am very happy she's back. Uh, I think that free agency this offseason should be really fascinating with the increase in funds available and with the potential for a PWHPA formalized league and what 
that could look like, especially because they're saying they might have a more formalized union as well. And with some added benefits and protections there, uh, really uh, interesting summer, I would say. For sure. And I think the rumor mill is super hot right now as we're in the off season. So we're going to have to see where the dust settles. But I think talking about what we talked about at the top of the segment, we might see some bidding wars for some names that were key at Women's Worlds. So coming up this summer for the Women's Hockey Spotlight, you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to break all of that down biweekly right here on Locked on NHL. Uh, Erica, I know you'll be on top of it every step of the way. Thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Gil. Thanks, Rachel. So big weekend of playoff action coming up, Rachel. And uh, I'll tell you, I am loving these playoffs so far. Let's start breaking down these series because there are some really good ones. Absolutely. Uh, We were talking about Florida against Boston earlier in the show. We do have game three tonight, and this is when all the series change locations, right? And um, I always find it interesting with Florida because, as we know, there are a lot of visiting fans that uh, live in the state of Florida um, who have relocated from parts further north. And so what is the the fan balance going to be in sunrise for this one. Yeah, that's uh, always an issue. And, you know, Boston fans do travel well. This is, uh, you know, a, a, a long time original six franchise. They've been winners, you know, for most of their recent history. So that will be interesting. And, you know, the other thing is Florida's home record is way better than its road record. And they stole one in Boston there's going to be a little uh, pressure on both teams here, Florida to keep the home ice advantage they stole and, and Boston to just not blow a playoff series and fall behind after having a record-setting regular season. Right. And, you know, we were talking about the pressure on the Bruins this time around. I know Florida did steal that game too, uh, and, and they did it in in – good fashion i would say it, you know it wasn't something they squeaked by on and i just think that there's no way that boston is gonna get swept in florida like it could go back to boston tied i think that's a, a possibility but i think this first game will be very important for boston to establish that no that was just a glitch here and we are the team that we say we are yeah the winner of game three really has a big psychological edge in this series and uh we'll see how that one turns out but uh florida's got to win at home they've got to at least split at home to have a chance to to pull off the huge upset the new york islanders come back to ubs arena down to nothing but both games one goal losses they have a lot of pressure on them now because it's you you can't fall behind three to nothing to a defensive team like the Carolina Hurricanes and hope to come back. Yeah, it's almost humorous, Gil, because everybody said, and we all thought going into this series, that these were just going to be all one goal games, because that's the kind of, you know, teams these are and the kind of wins that they've had throughout the season. And lo and behold, we've had two of them so far. (laughs) And so, you know, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to expect another one goal game. And uh, I, I do think that the Islanders are a team that get a boost out of playing on their home ice 
um, it's very clear that the atmosphere there is something that they feed off of. Yeah, they they have all year long. And it's interesting because tonight will be the first ever home playoff game at the UBS arena. It opened last year, but the Islanders did not make the playoffs. <clears throat> the Nassau Coliseum was one of the loudest buildings in the NHL. <clears throat> the fans will be there. They will be loud. How well the Islanders feed off of that will be important. You know, you lose two games on the road by one goal. Does having the last line change and having the fans behind you, is that enough to tilt the balance the other way? Uh, loudest arena discourse is uh, alive and well this year. <laughs> yeah, no no question about that. And, and that's always a fun discourse because there's really no way to to actually I mean, measure we can it. measure, well, there are, it's called well, decibels. decibels. But yeah, that's <laughs> imperfect, I, I, I would tend to say. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Dallas and Minnesota going mm. at it in game three as the scene shifts to Minnesota. I've loved this matchup from the beginning, and this is the kind of series I think they could easily go seven. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm not sure that either team kind of knows who they are in this series yet. They're still trying to find their footing. Uh, Minnesota with the very interesting strategy of alternating goaltenders in this one, which is very unusual for the playoffs. And so I'm wondering how long that might persist. Yeah. I mean, you would think after three or four games of a series, they'll figure out which goalie is playing better and ride the hot hand. But uh, yeah, I can't remember the last time a team like alternated goaltenders throughout a playoff series for, I mean, purposefully. Purposefully. I mean, we can right. talk about what happened in that Flyers Pen series uh, in 2012, where there was like, you know, they kept switching back and forth every game and sometimes in the middle of games. So right. that was a whole thing. But I think, you know, purposefully as a design plan, I think th this is a really fascinating thing to watch. And, you know, with the stars, it's just like, are they going to show up that night? They did in game two. Um, and really dominated huge spots of that game. But the Wilds still scored three goals in that one. And so, you know, is defense going to be a factor moving forward in this series? <laughs> it, it has to be. Look, I think whichever team plays better defense and gets better goaltending is is probably going to be the team that wins. But, uh, yeah, this, this is going to be an interesting series. I, I am looking forward to seeing that. And then the, the last game tonight – 10 o'clock Eastern time, Edmonton in LA. And uh, I, I just love this rivalry. It, it, you know, it goes all the way back to the miracle on Manchester. If you want to, you know, go all the way back to the eighties, but you know, these two teams, there, there was just after last year, especially having them meet again in the playoffs this year, it's going to be some real entertaining hockey. And it has been so far. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, one of the interesting factors here is going to be what happens with Kevin Fiala on the Kings. You know, he has been day to day with a lower body injury and, you know, he um, did not travel to Edmonton uh, for those games. So will he be available at some point in this series? We don't know yet. Um, and he's been a, a huge part of the King's success. And, you know, at the same time, again, like 
can you go wrong this year the way Connor McDavid has been performing? Um, you know, at some point, the, those high-powered scorers on Edmonton are going to have to take over this series, even though the Kings have found a way to keep them a little bit at, at bay. I would say game two, obviously, they struggled a little bit with that. But uh, I, I think that this will be kind of a down and dirty series for the remainder of it. Oh, I agree with that. And, and you know, we talked about the pressure on the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. I think Edmonton also has a lot of pressure on them uh, because they've had these great, talented offensive players for so many years and have really yet to make that long playoff run and, and, and earn a Stanley Cup. How much pressure do you think is on Edmonton? Oh, a, a huge amount, especially because the expectations have been so high year after year after year. And it just feels like that again, especially with the level of output they've had this season that, um, you know, goaltending aside, which is always the question mark with them, it seems it's been defense more in the past, but I think that's improved a little bit this year. Yeah. But like, can that translate to playoff level hockey, especially on, on the blue line side of things? And now they're going to have to get it done in LA for the next two games, which makes it uh, even more of a challenge but uh, should be one heck of a series and really one heck of a weekend of hockey that I am looking forward to it. Love this time of year. Playoff hockey, absolutely nothing like it. The best. Yeah, no, no question about that. Well, thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Everydayers, don't forget, we're here every day, Monday through Friday. I'll be here on Monday interviewing three of our local hosts, who are going to be talking about their teams in the playoffs. So make sure you join me for that. Have a great weekend, everybody. And thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.